Welcome to Twin Talk. This is Joy, and I'm here with my sister Angie. And right off the bat, we are going to talk about some recent events that have been ha- happening in our life. So if you are not interested in hearing us ramble on and on about our lives, I totally understand. And I will do some bookmarks, some chapter marks. Uh, after we get through this, I'll edit it. And I'll put on our podcast exactly what number or what, what am I trying to say, Angie, time frame? Yeah. <laughs> or the yeah. chapter mark whatever mm-hmm. to go to so you can skip all of our chit chat but there's some stuff that's been going on that i wanted to talk about so the first thing is uh on memorial day angie you guys had a barbecue and i drove up and there was a congratulations sign on their porch and proud was on their porch and um I was like, what's going on? And it already hit me. Oh, they're celebrating me because I finally, it took me four years, but I got my master's degree. You know, we've talked about that a lot on here in library media, and I passed my praxis test. So now I, I officially can work as a librarian. So I just wanted to say thank you. Oh my gosh, it meant so much. There was presents and a cake and they had decorated and it really did surprise me and I kind of something tipped me off before I got there that it might be going on but I really was shocked when I figured it out so I just want to say thank you for doing all that it meant so much to me and I'm just really excited that I can be a librarian now and just to clarify the banner said so proud of you oh I thought it said congrats on one side and like Oh, it said so proud yeah, of you. one banner said congratulations. The other one said so proud of you. Oh, I missed the yeah, rest yeah. of it. So anyway, thank you. And I, I uh, it was just cool being recognized. And so what gifts did you get? Okay, so I got a real pretty little gold jet necklace with the letter J on it. Who was that For from? Joy. That's from Jeannie. Oh, that is pretty. And then Sherry, our oldest sister, got me a teacher tote bag, like a real nice tote to mm-hmm. carry all my books and stuff in. It's real nice. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jeannie also got me a picture of Olivia on a canvas. Uh, that was really Which cute. was really cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then, of course... One of my favorite presents ever, Angie made a Twin Talk t-shirt, and it has our bitmojis on the back, and we're both, <laughs> we need to include a picture on the podcast. On oh, this yeah. Pro- it has a picture of us with a little microphone in between us, our bitmojis, and it says Twin Talk, and it, it's awesome. One of my favorite presents ever. So. Sorry, I was just trying to do a little self-promotion there. No, no, up. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> and then, um, so that was awesome. And then I actually got an interview um, to be a librarian at a big school in Fort Smith, and which, from what I've been told, is a big deal to even get the interview because I have so many applicants. But it's just because I knew someone who worked there, and they were able to talk to the principal and get me an interview. I did not get the job, and I'm really crushed about that. I'm not going to lie. But I, honestly, I didn't think I had a chance because I had zero experience, and I was probably going up some really up against some really experienced librarians. But I will say this: I'm glad for the chance that, to interview. It had been 20 years since I had sat in an interview. I figured it up. Wow! And it was nerve wracking. I was in front of the principal and the head of their English department and the other librarian, and it was I was nervous and rambling and I the more I think back on the interview the more I pick it apart and realized oh there were so many things I wish that I said I wish I hadn't said Mm. but having said that I am sad that I didn't get the job but I also love my job as a Spanish teacher 
And it's a, like I told everybody, it's a win-win because even though I didn't get the job, I still really like the job I have. And I think it's just really good experience to do do as many interviews as you can. Yes, and that. also now I kind of know what questions they're asking me because some of the questions they asked me really took me off guard. Mm-hmm. And I was sputtering <laughs> and stumbling and trying to find an answer. I really was not as prepared as I should have been. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next thing I wanted to talk about, I'm just proud aunt here, um, Angie's son, Cade. You know, he plays college ball, and he's playing for a travel team. And yesterday was actually, uh, we actually went to school here, it was the school I teach at, until June uh, 3rd. Was Thursday the 3rd? Yeah. <laughs> and then was. yesterday. Okay. So yesterday was your first day Yesterday off. was my first day off. First day of summer. And it's also our niece Amanda's birthday. Mm-hmm. So happy late birthday, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Angie said that um, Cade was going to get to pitch on this travel team. So we all packed up and went to um, Warren, Oklahoma. Warner. Warner. Is it Warner? Warner, mm-hmm. Oklahoma to Connor State. Is it Connor State? Connor State. Connor mm-hmm. State. They're mm-hmm. known for their baseball. They're like mm-hmm. the premier. Like if they have the best baseball players, go to Connor State. It's a Division One school. Is that what you're kind of saying? It's kind of a premier yeah. elite school yeah, for baseball. They're really good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, um, Cade, I'm so proud of him. I'll brag on him because I know Angie probably won't. It, she'll want to, but she'll think nobody wants to hear about it. He got to pitch the whole game. He did so well. And, you know, I was really watching. I would say eight out of ten, every eight out of ten pitches that he pitches is a strike. Like, Mm -hmm. they have to tell him, pitch a ball, get him off their game. You know, like, Mm -hmm. he has to purposely, he is so accurate with his Mm -hmm. pitches. And he has some really cool pitches he throws. I mean, sometimes, you know, I don't know a lot about baseball. He has this little cutter he throws that he's famous for. And and he he has... uh, I just, I'm amazed sometimes they're curving in, sometimes they're curving out, mm-hmm. they're high, they're like, he has such control over the ball. And I was thinking, I hope I don't cry on this part, but I'll never forget, I took Cade, he was probably three years old, took him to the Hackett Park. Uh-huh. You know the story. Yes. <laughs> and they had this little pit of plastic balls, and he kept going over there and getting them, and they had a, a, a little circular entrance, it's like a big tire or something, to the pit of balls, and I pulled out <laughs> a bunch of balls. He had the best form. I know I'm just, like, biased here, his aunt. He had the best form. He'd take those little plastic balls and go behind his little shoulder, and he would throw them like a baseball pitcher, like, perfectly straight back into the ball pit. I don't know how to explain uh-huh. it. He had the best. I said, Angie, and I think you were there with me, maybe. I, I just, think I was. I just remember saying, Angie, wouldn't it be cool if one day he grew up to be a pitcher? Yeah. And you go, yeah, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. And I remember just watching him throw this with such accuracy, and uh-huh. here we are, 18 years later. He's 18, right? Yeah. He's not 19 yet. Right. Uh He's 18. He'll be 19 in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be 19. Mm -hmm. And he just has such accuracy. Yeah. Now, he has pretty good speed they're working on. They'd like him to pitch faster. But Mm -hmm. anyway, they won the game. He pitched the whole game. And then this is what's cool to me. One of Angie's dreams for Cade is to be, she would love for him to go to the College of the Ozarks. That is a school. It's a Christian school in. Uh, it's outside of Branson. I think it's Lookout Point, Missouri. It's called Lookout Point, I, I think. Missouri. It's mm-hmm. not too far from Branson, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it's a pretty cool campus, and it's smaller. But what is? And she, it's, it, it's called like um. There's a name for it, but it, it's it's 
there's a ty- it's a name for a specific type of school where you, liberal arts school. Well, or? It, it is a liberal mm-hmm. arts school, but you uh, you work your t- mm-hmm. you pay your tuition by working at the school. Yes, and there's only a handful of them in the United States. Yes, so it's extremely hard to get into. Ten yeah. percent acceptance rate. He yes. tried to get in, but did not get in. Well, we were in or, the application process when he. When we found out he got accepted to Mina. Oh, okay. And so I actually emailed them back and said, I'm sorry, but we're not going to finish, oh. complete this. So we never oh, actually completed gotcha. the process. Yeah. yeah, there's only a 10% acceptance mm-hmm. rate. But Angie would love for him to graduate college debt-free. Amen. And, <laughs> and I understand it's expensive. Yes. So here's what's cool. While we're at this tournament yesterday, uh, they see a man... Uh, Corby, Angie's husband, sees a man in the stands with a College of the Ozarks baseball cap on. Mm-hmm. And he goes over and strikes up a conversation and says, hey, you know, there is a kid from Greenwood that plays for them. And he says, hey, do you know this guy, you know, this kid we know? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know him. My son plays on that team, and we love this kid from Greenwood. He's great, blah, blah, blah. And as he had been watching Cade pitch, and he said, hey, that's your son pitching. I know I'm probably getting the story a little wrong, but he said, he said, he he said with that ball movement, he could pitch all day, every day, be a starting pitcher at College of the Ozarks. Hmm. And mm-hmm. Angie was like, "Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. he's not, and he's only a sophomore. He's gonna. I mean, I'm sorry, he's only a freshman. Now yeah. he'll be a sophomore. He'll be a sophomore. So yeah. he didn't get a lot of playing time, and he's on a really good team. I mean, they." Won their conference, right? Yeah, yeah. They won, they, they almost won the tournament, yeah, and they almost so. won the champ the tournament. Yeah. So he didn't get a lot of playing time, but we didn't expect it because mm-hmm. he's just a freshman. But like Angie was saying, wouldn't it be cool if he could pitch for them and get more playing time mm-hmm. and have his college played? Yeah, paid it for? was. Um, yeah, it was when I found out that was where he was from, and he said something about mentioning Kate to the coach. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, oh my. did he say he's going to mention Kate uh, to the coach? I, I think he did. That would be awesome. Uh, because he said he knew there was a, a position opening up. Okay. But I was like, wow, the, uh, can you believe if that actually pans out? That would be awesome. I just think it would be awesome, too. Yeah. So I just yeah. think that I don't believe in coincidences. Yeah. Um, what was it Sandy Rathbun used to say? It's not odd. It's, it's not odd. It's God. Yeah. <laughs> I it just feel be. like, yeah. and I, you know, maybe I'm way yeah. off here, but I almost feel like it's a God thing that yeah. that man happened to be in the crowd and mm-hmm. get to see, because it's very rare that Cade gets to pitch a whole game. Yeah. And it was only, I should clarify, was they only played seven innings in this tournament. Yeah. So, But still, he pitched the seven innings and they won the yeah, game. Yeah, and that's the first person I've ever met other than this kid that goes to that's from Greenwood, that's yeah. from the College of the Ozarks. Yeah. And it's a small school. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's small. It's just like the school we go to now. Yeah. But the difference is, is they have those work programs and you have your tuition and it's a Christian school. Yes. So that's to me, just, it's like a trifecta. It's a uh, Christian school. Uh, he would graduate debt-free and he might get to play some baseball. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. It would, it would definitely be a huge blessing. It would be a work, huge blessing. Out, so yeah. if anybody out there listens to Twin Talk <laughs> and you go to College of the Ozarks and you know the baseball coach, uh-huh. just, you know, say so you need to look at this kid. I've got video footage. Yes, we have plenty of video footage. Yeah. Okay, and then, um, okay, so now we're going to talk about, last week we talked about the book, The Last of the Mohicans, 
And we always make mistakes. It never fails. Or there's something we wanted to say that we didn't. Or there's mistakes we want to clarify. So Angie wants to clarify. She said there were some errors. Well, or, actually, I should have been more clear with okay. you. There, it wasn't so much that we said anything incorrect. Mm-hmm. It was just, I noticed that after listening to the podcast, there was a lot of things we were unsure of. Uh-huh. And so just out of curiosity, I just went back to find out the answers oh, okay. of the things that we didn't know. Okay, so and she's going to talk about, she's going to expand then on I, I, uh, The Last of the Mohicans. And I don't know about you. But after every podcast, when I go back and listen to it, I always wish we could go back the following week and go over the uncertainty. Yes. And I don't know if that's something we want to start doing. Well, it makes me think we need to research better so we don't have to. But there's always going to be something. Well, to me, it's not. It's more about things just come up in the podcast that we're like, I'm just curious about. And Mm -hmm. and I'm one of these people like it. When someone brings up a question, I, it's hard for me to just let it go. I want to know the answer. Mm-hmm. So, That's true. So anyway, so here's just, I just wanted to hit on just a few of the things. So one of the things we mentioned was that uh, James Fenmore Cooper's father started the town of Cooperstown. Yes. And I said, oh, isn't that where the the baseball, the baseball Hall, of Hall of Fame is? And you were like, I think it's somewhere. And I said, well, I think yeah. it's in New York. Anyway, it turns out, yes. Okay. That is where the Baseball Hall of Fame is located. Okay. And, um, That's interesting. So basically, I found out that Cooperstown was founded in the late 1700s by William Cooper, and his mansion, which burnt down many years ago, stood next to what is now the Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, that's interesting. And so the grounds of the mansion are now a park. So So if we ever go visit the Baseball Hall of Fame, we can see where his house stood. Yes, there's a park there now. Cool. Uh, Yeah, okay. And then the other thing, and you asked a really good question. We were talking about... um, Colonel Monroe and how Mogwa hated him. And yes. He wanted, and, the, and, and you were like, well, why did he hate this one man so much? Why was he taking out vengeance on this one man? Yeah. And I said, well, maybe it was because he was symbolic. And then I said, well, we'll probably find out more later that he really wasn't more involved. So I was, yeah, I was totally clueless on that. So basically what happened was Mogwa was abducted by the Mohawks, another tribe. Okay. And they were the, the traditional enemies of the Huron. Anyway... During this time, he met up with Colonel Monroe, and Colonel Monroe punished him by tying him to a whipping tote. Because oh. I said that his that his tribe had whipped him. Oh, it was him. But it was actually Colonel him. Monroe that had him whipped. Well, for, no wonder he had it out for yes, him. Yes, yeah. So was that in the book, or you're just supposed to? It know? was. I just oh. I just couldn't remember because it's been so long. Right, so right. then later, when he returned, he finally got to return to his village. He found out his wife had been married to someone else. Oh. So he had lots of hatred for him. Gotcha. So anyway, so he wanted to wipe out Monroe's seed, his daughter's, mm-hmm. because he knew he would never have children. So he didn't want Monroe to have children. Oh, gotcha. okay. And that then, makes more sense. Yeah. So yes, you were you were absolutely right that the, he had a more of a direct uh, cause for his for hatred. the revenge. Yeah, for the revenge. Yeah. Okay. And then then you I said that Mohawk was an abbreviated name for Mohican. Okay. And you were like, is that the abbreviated? Uh-huh. And, I, and I said, and I kept saying, well, I assume it is. Because I know it wouldn't be the Mohawkians, right. probably. Well, I, but I, in the podcast, if you go back and listen, I kept saying, well, I think it is. Uh-huh. And anyway, the answer is no. There are, there are Mohicans and there are Mohawks. Oh, it's okay. just Mohawks with an S. Yeah, so you the are Mohawks. correct. Okay. That Mohican's not a shortened version, a name for Mo, for Mohawk. Oh, okay. Or Mohawk is not a, a name for Mohawk. Okay. So they're, they're two separate tribes. Okay. You know, yeah. Okay. okay. Okay, and then the last thing I wanted to mention is you said, did James Fenmore Cooper ever hear about or read Mark Twain's essay criticizing his yes. writings? And mm-hmm. the, the answer is no. 
Okay. So Cooper was 46 when Mark Twain was born, and the essay was written in 1895, 44 years after Cooper died. Okay, that makes me feel yeah. a little better, because like I said, even though I like Mark Twain, I think he's funny, <laughs> He's he can be pretty scathing, and I'm glad that Cooper didn't have to hear right. Oh, oh, and there is one more thing I want to mention. Okay, and remember I told you, I said I may be way off base here, but for some reason... The Jodie May that played Alice in The Last of the Mohicans, mm-hmm. how that just her performance moved me yes. for some reason, and I felt like it was just very obscure. Mm-hmm. Well, come to find out, I'm not the only one that felt that way, mm-hmm. and I just want to read you something. I found a blog on the internet, oh. and this man he has a blog and he talks nothing about movies, and so they post the he quest- talks nothing about movies, yeah. Uh, Oh, that's all he talks about. That's what I meant. All he talks about is movies. Oh, I got you. Yes, the whole blog is about movies. Okay. In one of his blogs, he's asking people, what is the performance that changed your life? Oh. And he says, I thought long and hard about who to write about here. The major problem being I couldn't think of anyone. Sure, there's lots of performances I love, but could I honestly say that they changed me? I couldn't think of anything until my brain finally looped around to a performance that it always went to. A moment in my film-watching canon. It's a distinctly unconventional and even obscure choice. But be sure it's one that surprised even me in the way it affected me and stuck in my head. And here it is. Jody May as Alice Monroe. Wow. So he said the so one. you caught up on yeah. something other people have. So he was like, this one performance, if I could say it, changed my life. It was her performance mm-hmm. in Last of the Mohicans. He says, this moment is one I can honestly say changed me. Changed the way I look at film. Change the way I understand it. Change the way I see emotions. It is one of the few moments of my life that I can understand but can't explain and can't put down to any earthly description. Wow. (laughs) That is, you know, that is very interesting that her, it wasn't a leading role. Yeah. Uh, She was more of a supporting actress, I feel like. That she could really affect you. Yeah. And now I kind of want to go back and watch it again just to really pay attention to her performance. But once again, I'm going back to this whole I love to read other people's blogs and opinions because it's a validation. Yeah. I'm never... I am never secure in my own thoughts about that. Yeah, I always feel like I'm unqualified to make this... Yes, like I, I'll have a feeling or about something or someone's performance, but I don't feel like, well, what's my opinion matter? I don't know anything. Well, here, but then yeah. when I read someone else say that, I'm yeah. like, okay, yeah, I, maybe my yeah, you're right. It validates my, your my intuition isn't your, as off base as what I thought. Here's what like. I want to know. I'm hoping she is reading that. Oh, I wish yeah. she could hear what you yes. said because I wonder if you know how. Most people, not all, but most of us have insecurities. Mm-hmm. And boy, wouldn't oh, I'm that sure. be? I think actors are, they say, are some of the most insecure. Yes, you, and wouldn't it be meet. cool if she could? She had validation of how her role in that movie really touched people. Yeah, and and if, and if his blog, it was post after post of people validating, saying the saying same, the same thing. thing. Matter of fact, you know what most people said? Mm-hmm. They were like, "We're tired of Cora and." Hawkeye. I'm not kidding. They were. They all of them said the same thing. They were like, I was much more interested in the love relationship between Uncas and Alice than I was the two leading. Oh, I did. I forgot Uncas had a thing for Alice. Oh, but he wanted to kill her. It was. Oh no, it wasn't Uncas. It was. uh, No, Uncas was the 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 protector. Yeah, he was a protector, and they kind of had this unspoken love in the movie. They just kind of had stolen glances. Okay, once again, I know this is spoiler alert, but didn't you say in the book that Cora is the one that died? Yes. Did Uh, Alice and Uncas get together? Alice and Uncas die in the movie. But in the book, did Alice and Uncas get together? Oh, um. 
I think it kind of just leaves it open ended. I don't. Oh, I don't right. know. Up sure. to the imagination. Yeah, but it was just so funny because everybody was like, "Oh, I, I was just sick of the whole Cora." They were like, I was much more interested in Alice and Uncas, but the story was never fully developed. Okay. That is so interesting yeah. to me. I'm yeah. glad we did Last of the Mohicans. I never would have, that never would have been one that even crossed my mind to do, but I'm glad we did oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like I said, I didn't want to dwell too much on it, but I just thought you might be interested to hear some of those things that I found okay. out. Okay. Well, we're 20, yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad you went back and found out that stuff. I think that, especially the part about how her performance really affected so many people. Yes. Yeah. So, we're almost 20 minutes in, and like I said, I will chapter mark this so people don't have to hear us talk if they don't want to about our personal lives. Maybe we're more interesting than we think. Maybe. (laughs) But today, um, we are going to talk about a book called The How and the Why. And this is one that, and I know I've talked about this, but if you've never heard this podcast before, um, at the school where I work, our librarian, she comes up with a list of 42 books a school year for the kids to read. Obviously, you can't read all 42, but she just encourages them to even read one. Just find one that's of interest to you. And then if you find one of interest, you can vote on it at the end of the school year, and then you see which book won and all that. Well, what's interesting is the school year was over this year, and we were talking about the ones that won. By the way, Tap Code won, which is a really good book, which I'd like for us to do. Okay. And the other one was uh, Five Feet Apart. Which is another one I'd like to do just to kind of not bash it. The kids love it. Okay. The kids absolutely love it, but I'm like rolling my eyes through a lot of it. But anyway, (laughs) and I said, well, what if you had to choose out of those? And I said, what's this magical formula? Why 42? She goes, oh, because they have this big display bookcase that's real prominent in the middle of the library. She goes, that's how many books will fit on that shelf. Oh, (laughs) And she says, there's no magic formula, no magic number. That's just because how the shelves, that's how 42 will fit. I said, oh, this whole time I thought you had some magical formula or something. (laughs) So that was funny. Hmm. But anyway, I said, okay, out of all the books, what was your favorite? Yeah. And you know that how hard that is oh, to pitch. Yeah. But she said, really, when I think about it, she's probably the how and the why. Mm-hmm. I go, because that's saying something. This yes. librarian read every single book. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, that's one of the ones I didn't get to. She goes, you really need to read it. So here we are. So I listened mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was recommended to me by her. Like I said, it was one of her favorite books. And I'll just say right off the bat, it is gut-wrenching. It's. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read to you what it's about here in just a second. I have not been able to stop thinking about it since I read it. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's that powerful. And it's a really good book, but it's very tough material. What was the word I used while ago? Heavy. Very mm-hmm. heavy material. And uh, I'm going to go... It was published in November of 2019. And Cynthia Hand is the author. I'm going to read the summary. Uh, Cassandra McCurtry has the best parents a girl could ask for. They've given Cass a life she wouldn't trade for the world. She has everything she needs, but she has questions too, like to know who she is, where she came from, questions her adoptive parents can't answer, no matter how much they love her. But 18 years ago, someone wrote Cass a series of letters, and they may just hold the answers Cass has been searching for. Alternating between Cass's search for answers and letters from the pregnant teen who placed her for adoption, this emotionally resonant narrative is the perfect read. Um, And I just want to say this too, for anyone who has adopted or has given up a baby for adoption, I would say 
I had trouble getting through it, and mm-hmm. I've never been through any of that. Mm-hmm. I would say this would be an extremely emotional read if you're adopted or been given up for adoption. Um, but what I liked about the book is it brings up things that I had never considered, and it gives me a whole new respect for I've always respected girls who didn't abort their babies mm-hmm. and went ahead and carried them full term and gave them up for adoption. I've always respected them, but I respect them even more now. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I just want to read some reviews because I totally agree with this. Okay. Cynthia Hand is the master of pulling at your heartstrings. The how and the why tells both sides of an adoption story with love, compassion, and care. That's from the New York Times. A poignant exploration of family and the ties that bind. New York Times. Um, An excellent exploration of the complicated facets of teen pregnancy, adoption, and sacrifice. And I think sacrifice is such a fitting word. This compassionate story rings true. Okay, let me read just a couple more. These just really tell how I felt after the book. The novel's great strength is the emotional depth of its characters and the complexity of their relationships. A heartfelt and hopeful story about coming of age as an adoptee. And I think, okay, last one. Beautifully rendered and superbly shaped, Hand has crafted an absorbing novel that focuses on family, friendship, teen pregnancy, adoption, personal choices, and serious health issues. Give this exquisite novel to readers seeking an emotionally intricate story. And that's from Booklist. Mm-hmm. I just can't say enough about this book. Um, it just, I think the parts that really got to me was and I was listening to it and I'm sure in the book it you know was be easier but what they were talking about well I'm sorry I'm getting ahead of myself well, the things are things that I really dwelled on and it made me really consider these girls are usually teenagers they have to give up their babies for adoption they carry the baby for nine months. You don't think about that, and they form a bond. Mm-hmm. And what was heartbreaking in the book, a lot of them were like, well, if you were going to keep your baby, what would you name her? Mm-hmm. What would you name him? And they all had names for their babies. Aww. Oh, that was heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. And, then they have to, and then they had to make these decisions. They were given the choice. You can hold your baby or breastfeed or whatever. You can know the sex or not know the sex. You can never see your baby, and we immediately give it to the family. Like, they actually got choices. And then I think they had 30 or 60 or maybe even 90 days to change their mind. And on the other end of the spectrum, that's when the parents are on pins and needles because of that, that, that girl could change their mind and take the baby back. Mm. And then, okay, so here's the part, and I don't know why this is the part that really got to me. They were required to fill out these forms. If the father would agree, he'd fill them out, and then the mother and... And they were like, hair color, eye color, what's your religious beliefs, how tall are you? Do this you have, is their personal Yes, it's okay. forms that the adoptive parent and the future child can have. So, Because, okay. you know, you really need to know your family health history oh, okay. if you're dealing with diabetes. So it's for medical. Yes, it's for medical. Okay. And it's not just medical. It's so, you know, hair color, eye color, height, weight. Mm-hmm. What's your religious beliefs? Like a Christian, agnostic, it had all the different things they could check the boxes. And then like, do you have a history of heart disease, you know, um, diabetes. Mental illness. Mental That's illness. Mental. I mean, no stone was left unturned. Like these forms were intensive. Like mm-hmm. it sounded, and of course sitting there reading it, it seems like it went, took forever to go through them, but they were very specific. And I never thought about that. 
But that's what that adoptive person needs to know. Hey, do I have diabetes that run in my family? Is there mental illness? So they're not just left hanging and wondering. Mm-hmm. But what I really, really like about this book um, is it shows it from both perspectives. It showed it what happened. You know, the girl that got pregnant, it tells her whole story. But it leaves little hints because it never really says her full name. It's almost like a mystery. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end, you have the adoptive girl. And from her perspective... And I love it all comes, I don't want to do a spoiler alert, it all comes together at the end in a really unique, cool way. It's kind of like a neat, and then you're kind of left up to your imagination what happens, but Hmm. I love the ending. And so anyway, like I said, that's basically, I don't want to say too much for people who actually want to uh, read the book, but it definitely gave me a new respect for the emotional trauma Mm. Not only are they teenagers dealing with everything, you know, teenagers are already going through hormonal changes mm-hmm. and all the stuff that comes with being a teenager. You add on top of that being pregnant and I mean, having a baby, it's Yeah, it's I look at it as they're still kids. And yes, they're, they're their kids having it, kids. Yes, and they're not thinking like an adult would. Yes, you know? exactly. But mm-hmm. anyway, I highly recommend it. It's But like I said... Don't if you don't want to get into a super emotional like I, said, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it mm-hmm. ever since I've, it's been probably a month since I've finished it. Um, another thing is um, I want to talk about just a little bit is and I'm not an expert on this I've never adopted or anything but every time I've heard an adoption story uh, it just feels like they have to jump through hoops to get these mm-hmm. babies and it it sounds like they're paying astronomical fees and having to go through all this red tape. And I just feel like there's got to be a better way. Obviously, you don't want this baby to go to a home where they're going to be abused mm-hmm. or not well taken care of. But it feels like they go over the over the top on mm-hmm. the other way. Oh, my goodness. And anyway, what last thing I was going to talk about was um, Angie's brother-in-law and his wife. They have adopted three boys from Ethiopia over the last year few years mm-hmm. well longer than that been a while now been a yeah. while they're, teen- yeah. they're in college yeah but I mm-hmm. oh I have great respect for them because most people want these little babies everybody mm-hmm. wants a baby they adopted these boys well they didn't even know their real age because they don't have birth certificates right they mm-hmm. were in an orphanage they didn't have birth certificates they took in two it's a long story but they took in two and later on took in mm-hmm. another and I have great respect for them because they took them in as teenagers. Well, they think they were teenagers, right? Well, they knew they were teenagers. I just didn't really know their exact, the exact ages. ages. Yeah. And now all three seem to be doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two of them are in college. Uh, or All three are in college. All three all are in three college. Are, of course, yeah. English is not their first language, mm-hmm. so they struggle. So the fact they're in college at all, to right. me, is a miracle. Yes. Mm-hmm. That they were pulled out of an orphanage, mm-hmm. and they live in a... They have a very good family now. Mm-hmm. They're getting educated, and I really respect your uh yeah and the the good thing about that situation was and and i don't know a lot about the circumstances i would just hear things here and there but they uh there was a program at their church Mm -hmm. and they played a film to all the congregation and Mm -hmm. we're talking about the need of course and they were talking about how it's basically your teenage boys are the ones who nobody wants mm-hmm. or not, and they're the ones that do not get adopted yeah you know everybody wants like you said everybody wants the a little cute, everybody baby. wants a baby mm-hmm. or a little or a little a little kid mm-hmm. you know um and so uh, several families from this church adopted and so what's really cool is because they're all in the you know pretty much neighboring communities or some in the same community 
all the families that adopted, there's almost like a support group now. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so they know there's several families besides them that adopted. Mm -hmm. And so now, and like, they'll go to each other's houses. And so it's not like this family has one and he's kind of isolated. He still gets to see a lot of other uh, kids that were adopted. In his same situation. Yes, in his same situation. And they all kind of have this big group where they kind of get together and and they've all bonded. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. To have a support group, I think, is big. Yeah, I'll see on Facebook sometimes, I'll see, like, posts from their other friends and their other kids that have been adopted Mm -hmm. from. And now these three boys were from Ethiopia, I believe. And what's funny is when my brother-in-law went over for the first time, of course, they, they, they show you, I think each boy did like their own video and they's like, you know, my name's so-and-so, I, these are my hobbies, this is mm-hmm. what I enjoy. Well, they just instantly fell in love with Joe. Mm-hmm. And they, so they, there's, like you said, it's a long process, but I remember Darren went to Ethiopia and met him, but the whole time he was there, there was a little boy who just kept following him around. Oh, like, you know, like, I thought it was his brother. No, they're not, they're oh, not related. I thought they were brothers. No, okay. he just kept following him around. Kind of like be little my lost yeah, puppy. like a little lost puppy. Like oh, take me, take me. Be Which my. one? Who was that? So that was Clinton. And Aww. so, and I hope I'm not getting this wrong. I think, but this is how I remember it. Okay. And so, so, so my brother in law's like, oh gosh, you know, how can I? And then they started thinking, you know, actually, it would be better for Joe to have a brother. Yeah. I mean, to have another person where he doesn't feel so isolated. Yeah. You know, he's that's what be, I've always he's, read. If you you're going to adopt, especially from another country, yeah. you always need to have... Yeah, I mean, they're Ethiopian, yeah. and they're going to come over here, and it's going to be, you know, prim- primarily white people. Culture the, shock. The culture's different. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so naturally, it just helped to have someone, you know, have them together. And then, um, I'm not sure, then, then the third one, about a year or two later, they went back and got um, Kaysen. So, anyway, it's just a really, yeah, I, I have just a love lot of that story. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I have so much respect that they would, and they already had three kids. And that's what's funny is they're yes. like blonde hair, blue eyed. Yeah. I love, I saw they had posted on Facebook a Christmas card or some type of family uh, picture. Yeah. And I just love, it's, you've got four blonde hair, blue eyed, and of course your brother-in-law's with counting, you know, the mom. Yeah. And then, of course, your brother-in-law has dark hair. And, dark. Yeah. and then you've got your three kids from Ethiopia. Yeah. I just love how they're all one big fan. And I'm yes. sure it's not easy, and I'm sure they've oh, pay- yeah. faced many, many challenges. Yeah. But I just love that they yeah, try, um, that they're giving it a go, you know. And I do have, I'm uh, with you, I have a lot of respect for them because it, it is not easy. It's not mm-hmm. an easy thing to do to just to, to bring in three strangers, basically. Right. But, you know, they all bonded really well. And the, the three boys are all just, uh, they're just so full of love and life. Mm-hmm. And I, they're all great kids. I Good. Really, I'm glad. Really like them all. Okay. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap this up? No. Okay. I thought you were going to talk a little bit more well, in depth about it, but I just I, I wanted to, but it's so it's so heavy, it's mm-hmm. so emotional. Yeah, I just I know I just don't want to. I'm gonna be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I I yeah, I totally trust your judgment because we mm-hmm. always like the same things, mm-hmm. and I I do believe it's a, a phenomenal book. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that I'm like, hey, I think I'll go listen to that this week. I, I mean, Honestly, I feel like yeah. I have to be in the right frame. Yes, of mind. if I had known what an emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. I'd be riding, mm-hmm. riding, I, 
I don't know that I would have read it. But see, that's just it. It's kind of like, you know, when you go through something hard and you, you wouldn't trade it. You're glad yes. you did it and you're a better person you for it. someone else to have to go through but that. But I don't, I don't <laughs> want to go back and read again. It's just heart-wrenching. You it know, just is. And it's not like Red Fern grows heart-wrenching. Yes. It's like this is true this life. This is real this, life. This is real life and real girls and real babies yeah. and real fathers and real grandparents. And it just really makes you think of how it affects and the adoptive parents, oh, that's a whole nother issue about what they're going through while she's trying to find information about her real mom. And it just, it's heartbreaking from every single aspect, but it's also cool. See, I, I don't want to say too yeah. much. I just love how the ending came together and how there's just like this reconciliation so, at the end. Yeah, so I guess you can, in other words, there are good things come from bad situations. Yes, sometimes. yes. It's, yeah. yeah, there's no way this girl could have cared for that baby. Mm-hmm. And she ended up with a really good parent. But she's still, you're always left wondering, yes. who yes. was my mom? Who was my dad? What mm-hmm. were they like? What did they look like? And a lot of it is her solving the mystery of who her mother is. No, so cool. I, I kind of like how it goes down every avenue of how she figured out who her mom was. And that, to me, was very interesting. You're almost trying to solve the mystery with her. Okay. And it gives little clues. They drop little breadcrumbs throughout the letters mm-hmm. to kind of... Yeah. You know that the adoptive mom's dad's a politician. Hmm. Okay, they kind of drop that in there. Then you, I just can't even. Yeah. Get, I just can't even. I tell you, it, it's really clever how, how they, do they it. drop the little breadcrumbs, the little hints mm-hmm. throughout the letters, and then her, and then her adoptive mom eventually start. It's like a big puzzle, and okay. they start putting the puzzle pieces together, and they figure out who she is. Okay, cool. And then. I just don't want, I don't want to do the spoiler, <laughs> uh, but it ends good. It has, okay. I love the ending. So, yeah, I'm um, sorry it was short, and I didn't get super into it, but it's very no. tough to talk about. It was a tough read, um, and maybe it won't be tough for other people, but it know, was for me. You just reminded me of a lady I used to work with, mm-hmm. and I have great respect for her. And she, she her, kind of her mission in life was she worked at pregnancy crisis centers mm-hmm. with these girls, and one day I asked her, I said, why do you, how did you get involved in that? And she said, well, me and my husband, we do not believe in abortion. Mm-hmm. She said, and I was one of these people, I was like, you know, we can sit here and gripe about it all we want. She said, but until we get in the fight and do something to help these girls, she said, then, then who are we? Right. You know, she's like, we're not making a difference. Mm-hmm. And so she literally took this girl, this pregnant, she's around 16-year-old girl who's mm-hmm. pregnant, and she took her under her wings. She ended up living with her. She let her live with her through her pregnancy, mm-hmm. through her birth, even after the birth, I think this girl lived with her up until the baby was one or two years old. Oh, and the wow. whole time, of course, I would talk to her periodically at work, and she would give me updates. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating because it was just like you said. Here's a 16-year-old girl. Now she's 17 probably. Mm-hmm. and But she's thinking like a child. Which, mm-hmm. Of course, she's not had a good life herself. Her parents right. are not supporting her. She's been in a bad situation. But everything this girl would do was things a child would yes. do. And, and my, the lady I work with, I say her name, Patty, since I don't say her last name. But Patty would be like, don't you understand? Because now you need to get a job. And then, mm-hmm. But in her her mind wasn't thinking mm-hmm. adult things. Yeah, she's you still not Where Patty was like the natural thing to do would be like, okay, you need you know get a job. And then once you get enough money saved, you can start supporting your so child. So she was going to keep the child. Yes, she did okay. keep the child, which mm-hmm. was awesome. And mm-hmm. I really believe Patty was a big part of well, all this sure. project. Well, sure, yeah. Because she felt like you know she had that support. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like I said, I really do totally admire people who so sacrificially help these girls. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But like you said, from the book, you can you can hear the perspective from the girl's point of view. There's yes. their, that's the thing. People sometimes judge because they only look at one side of the story. Yes. That's something they bring out in the book is so many times people judge the mom for getting pregnant right. as a teenager, mm-hmm. but they don't look at that sacrifice she makes to give up her child, to carry the child to term, yes. when she could just easily get an abortion. And she, you know, she and wants to be a teenager. She wants to be going yes. to parties yeah, and to prom and, and dates yeah. and games. You're right. That's a yeah. huge sacrifice. Yeah, so huge. it's a huge sacrifice yeah. to choose not to abort the baby, yes. to carry it to full term, and then, you know, and give that child to someone else. I guess I, I might have sounded wrong the way I said that. I, I, no child, there's no sacrifice worth giving up a child, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. not saying that. But yeah. I'm saying to a 16-year-old girl, yes. that is life-altering. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. giving up their, yeah. basically, their whole, yeah. not their childhood, but they're yeah. giving up, they're, yeah, they're giving up their uh, dreams. Their, their dreams yeah. of, of just the normal, the, average yeah. teenager in the United yes. States. They're, they're having to sacrifice all of that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so that's the How and the Why by Cynthia Hand. Read it if you dare. (laughs) And we will see you next time on Twin Twin Talk. Talk.